1: leaping to make the catch out of bounds he has it for six he's got a knee-high snap looking left now over the middle he pump fakes. he rolls to his right with connor barwin pursuing he knocks him down the ball is thrown up in the air and batted away incomplete the rams defense clinches it Goff will come on the field for victory formation The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We not me versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions.
2: Welcome to Ramp's Talk Radio. This is Derek Ciapala, Manchin editor over here at Ramp's Talk. I'm flying solo on this last episode before the Super Bowl. And, you know, I'm pretty excited about what we have for you today. We have Kevin Duffy, the Patriots beat writer for the Boston Herald. And he's going to come on. And actually, our conversation, we we cover some of the things that, of all the things that we really didn't get to this week, uh, we cover them here. We cover a little bit of talk early. We cover a little bit of that matchup between the offensive and defensive line. Some things that... We just really need to touch on and we get there. Um, before we do move on, though, I have several things I want to talk to you about to let you know what's going on. Uh, first and foremost, we do want to invite you to just subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast, where everywhere podcasts can be found. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, iTunes. iTunes, we can subscribe and leave a review, a five-star review, preferably. If you do happen to leave a five-star, please uh, please write it down. Um, really, any of you have relief for us. We, we'd like your feedback. If it's bad, please email us. You know, We'd, we'd rather have it that way. But overall, um, just thank you for taking the time to do that. It helps us out. helps us out in charts. And, of course, don't forget our other shows on the network, including Rampage Radio and Budding Heads. So I want to let you guys know a little bit about what's going on with us here. Um, don't worry. I'm not going to go on this uh, this this m- looking for money thing I actually know it's kind of cool and I think it ties in a little bit to the Super Bowl the Super Bowl is special to me personally and the reason why is because it's been a journey and many of you especially in LA when the team left for St. Louis and those ones those that hung on to this team for so long it was a journey to get the team back it was a journey to see them back into a, a contention it was a journey to see them get into a Super Bowl. I know you understand, and the St. Louis fans do too, for that matter. But we began in 2013 as a site focused on the history of the team, as well as everything else, but we added focus. I'm a historian, basically. I've become, over the last few years especially, a a, a kind of Rams historian. I know there are others out there who uh, who are more involved and have been around a little longer, but that's uh, so what I've been really digging deep into Rams history. And uh, I have a passion for it. I'm a history teacher. And, well, that was my goal. I did not like that in the course of a team moving from one state to another, a lot of the history was being left behind and forgotten and not talked about. And I wanted to change that. And that's no slight on the people of St. Louis. The people of St. Louis did a very good job in acknowledging the L.A. years but it's just not the same because it, it's a change, right? The the St. Louis fans had watched the Cardinals before them, before the Rams, and they had watched Deerdorf and and Jim Hart and all those guys. And they only saw Deacon Jones or Marlon Olsen Os- Os- from a distance. And so while they were involved in the team's history, it just feels different. And And I guess in some kind of way, the L.A. fans will understand that feeling now because they watched Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk from a distance. Well, that's why I built the site. And let's be honest, this team during that tenure, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, the potential was there. It's always there. There was a lot of talent on these teams, but they were never very good. And then we have this move back, and then we have contention and then we have a super bowl it's been a journey it's been a long journey so i just want to bring that up and i want to say thank you it's been a lot to us that you've been on this journey with us it's been it's been a lot to us that you have spent your time reading our stuff and listening to our podcast so i want to let you know a couple changes that are happening We've noticed over the course of time now that we've actually had reduced readership of our our articles on the site. And I think a lot of this is because we've been working so hard on getting podcasts out for you, our actual content has dropped. like We weren't putting out as much. And what content we did put out were the actual podcast articles. Well, we want to give you a reason to come back and read our stuff. We've brought some new writers on the site, I'm training them now, that's we're now putting out a lot more content. And two, I'm removing the actual podcast articles from the featured section there, and putting them just in the podcast section. And that will allow you to be able to find our, our content much easier. The second thing is, is that we are joined the Clutch Points team. We are, we are gonna be their 1st teen team-specific podcast. Clutch Points is a app and website that covers the NBA and the NFL, and down the line maybe more. They are eventually going to have podcasts for every single team out there in the NFL and NBA. But in the meantime, we're the first team to do podcast for them. And it's not going to change a thing for you. You're going to find us in the same feed. You're going to find us in the same place, except our article link will go to Clutch Points instead of to the Rams, Rams top page. And that will help us keep it cleaner and also – help us be a partner to them so again uh, we want to thank clutch points for working with us to help bring you a a better show okay and that's that's the announcement for you that's the announcement and I hope that that clarifies some things for you okay uh, we do have one I have one thing I want to talk to you about before we get to the actual interview with Kevin the sponsors though don't forget our sponsors one of our best sponsors this year has been Jim Hawk. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. And, well, if you want to learn more about the Rams with, this, with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz. Glamour of future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Leagues Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at, a- at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Team through various other booksellers on the internet. Everyone, trust me, I've read a book, this book cover to cover. It's worth the read. Check it out. All right? Seriously. It's worth the rate. I covered the Rams as part of the Yahoo Contributor Network years ago. It was a bunch of freelancers who then were picked for a program who would contribute to Yahoo Sports. So I wrote for Yahoo Sports. I covered. Um, I used to cover the Rams for Yahoo Sports. I I covered the Lakers for them. I I even covered the UFC and uh, Bellator for them. And it was I made a pretty good career for a couple of years and. Then I moved on and started Rams talking. But during that whole process, I became embroiled in the whole St. Louis, L.A. war. I actually had, at some point, um, some threats made towards me because I originally had changed my mind. At first, I you know, I was an L.A. guy. I fell in love with the team when I was in L.A., but I moved Midwest, and I I just kind of lost sight of the fact of, the, A, the, 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 the advantages that came from the team being in Los Angeles, financial, prestige, and so on and so forth, and also be the history. That's how you get me, right? Hook, line, sinker, history. Hook, that's how you get me. And I had an interview with Tom Bateman from the the, the time they were called The bring back the Rams. And, you know, he really brought the history. And I delved into it. I wrote an article about it. And then, you know what? I changed my mind. It had nothing to do with St. Louis. It had nothing to do with, with anything that they were doing wrong or right out there. It was just a decision that made me realize, you know what? I believe this team is better off going back to California. Again, this is no offense to any Rams fans that... Are in St. Louis, you've been wonderful. Stick with the team like you have. It's, it's a wonderful thing, and, you know, it really talks about, it's about the logo and the horns and not necessarily the Civic, okay? And um, every every fan obviously has a different view of it. So here we are now in the days leading up to the Super Bowl, and what we're seeing is a bunch of people really kind of coming out. So Steve Mason from Mason, Ireland, posted a tweet, and in his tweet he really makes this point in the tweet itself states as a Los Angeles Rams fan since I was a little kid I don't recognize the Super Bowl that they won in St. Louis as far as I'm concerned this Sunday will be the first Rams world championship um well then he later corrected and admitted that yes the Rams won a championship in LA in 1951 and he wasn't really didn't say anything about the but the 45 championship and obviously he's rejecting the Super Bowl in 1999 now, fans are going to be fans. They're going to pick however, pick things however they want them to go, right? They're going to choose whatever path they want to take and how they follow a team. But I'm a, again, you guys know me by now. I'm a history guy. And if the NFL did not require the Rams to leave their history in Los Angeles when they moved to St. Louis, then the history goes to St. Louis. And that's all part of the same franchise. And, of course, when they come back to L.A., they were not forced to leave the history in St. Louis. The history falls into L.A. It's about the horns, folks. It's about the horns. It's about the logo. It's about the helmet, the logo, the uniform, the people who've donned that uniform. It's not about one person. It's not about the owner. It's not about Georgia Fronier. She was one person who, in a span of many, 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 many people. Dan Reeves, the Rosenblum himself, Carol Rosenbloom, now Stan Kroenke, and, and others as well. I can't forget. Now everybody's coming to the top of my head right now. You know, and she's just one person. And whatever decision she made, the history of the team was not left there. The Rams made draft picks in L.A. that followed them to St. Louis. And the Rams made draft picks in St. Louis that followed them to L.A. They are all, to me, they are all part of the history. Now, I'm not going to judge you if you th- if you view things differently. If that's how you want to look at the Rams, and that's fine. But as for me and many of the people on our staff, the Rams are the Rams. They wore the helmets. They they have all the history behind them. You know, so many great things they did from being part of in the NFL to... Just the little things like the logos and the helmets. Now this year, of course, they're setting history again—the first male cheerleaders to to uh, go to the Super Bowl. I just—they're always doing something new, and um, you know, for me, that's just that's who they are. They've always been a organization that tries to do things a little bit differently. I'm not worried about the cities at this point, in terms of the history. The Rams are the Rams. They are Los Angeles Rams. Their history. Long time coming is in Los Angeles. And I think it's almost disrespectful a little bit to the players who followed the team, was stuck with the team, were on the roster, who went from L.A. to St. Louis and that um, could to win there. So there you go. You know, and I, again, I'm not judging you. It's just my personal opinion. We, we should be able to have those different opinions. I've seen various different opinions on this. But, you know, in terms of this, I, I completely disagree with Steve Mason. I completely disagree with him. I had someone say to me, well, you you didn't go 25 years with one Super Bowl in, in a city. Well, actually, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. And many people on our staff did. It's about the horns, folks, to me. It's about the horns. You understand, you know, that this team has had so many great players wear those horns. Deacon Jones. Les Richter. Merlin Olsen. Jack Youngblood. Eric Dickerson you know who else wore those horns? Isaac Bruce, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Tory Holt, London Fletcher, and of course now, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Stephen Jackson wore them for us as well. And, so, you know, and you'll notice that a lot of those St. Louis guys are on the sidelines still. To this day, they come in as part of the Legends community. So I'm sorry, I just can't agree with that. I can't. And again, this is not me judging you. It's just me personally. You know, um, if you disagree with me, that's fine. That's okay. And I thank you for being willing to talk about those agreements and have a civil conversation about it. So many people are so dead set on one way, on the issue one way or the other. And one thing we can agree on is our Rams are playing on Sunday. They are playing on Sunday against the Vaughn Patriots, and we all know who we want to win. All right. So... It's almost that time here for the big interview with Kevin Duffy. Before we do, we do want to shout out the man... Sal Martinez and his Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and you like the old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop, 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis. And he's kept the line on ever since. He's by appointment only. So give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Gold Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, eight AM to six PM, and Saturday, seven a.m. to four PM. One more time, give Sal a call at seven one four eight nine four seven two six seven. Folks, a visit to his shop is well worth your time. It's like a Hall of Fame, the Rams. Seriously. Helmets, jackets, jerseys, all these different pictures and newspaper clippings. It's like, you know, if the Rams want to know how to build a Hall of Fame, what we're looking for, they can stop and get a scalp view of it right there in the in the barbershop there. Trust me. Also trust me that he'll give you the that old school experience of just talking football, the kind of thing you see in movies. All right, you won't regret it. Hey, Salman, even man should make my hair, my blockhead, my hair look reasonably normal. Uh, seriously, reasonably normal. All right, so here you go. Here's my interview with Kevin Duffy, the man, the myth, the pa- the Patriots writer from the Boston Herald. Check him out. It's a really interesting interview. We talked a lot about the. Some of the things we haven't talked about in other podcasts, that I kind of delved into them, and it was actually turns out to be a pretty a pretty good listen. So here we go. Kevin Duffy.
3: All right, folks, this is Derek Ciappone here with Kevin Duffy from the Boston Herald. Kevin, how you doing?
4: Doing well, Derek. Appreciate you having me on, man.
3: Oh, we're, we're glad to have you on. And you sound a little tired. Has it been a rough week for you guys out there?
4: <laughs> uh, no, I'm just finally wrapping up my last story here, so...
3: I uh, Well, yeah. I, guess, I guess
4: that has been kind of a just, we I've been to, I mean, I've covered the Patriots for the past five years, and I've been to four of these, which is ridiculous. But you try to put in everything you've got because it's a huge event you're covering, and you never know if you're going to cover another one. So yeah, uh, I haven't really done much besides work this week.
3: I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm sitting there listening to you talking, man. You can just see that. I can only imagine how it is. For the players, they've been waiting now for two weeks. And I guess that t- takes me to my first question for you: Is you know how are the Patriots looking right now? How are practices looking? Are they prepared? What's going on?
4: I think that the Patriots feel very confident. They've been they've been pretty loose and relaxed, I would say, for about a month, dating back to um, for you guys. They, I'm sure, you haven't followed exactly the arc they took to get here, but. Um really, go, going into the last couple of weeks of the season, they didn't even have a first-round bye in the playoffs. And it, it, they had a two-game losing streak, and then in week 16 against Buffalo, they won, and then they sprinted back to the locker room to catch the end of the Eagles-Texans game because they needed the Texans to lose in order to capture the number two seed. And they, they watched the Eagles drive down the field and kick a game-winning field goal, and they were ecstatic. Afterward, I mean, they were as happy and just <laughs> – I can't it, – it was a scene like it, – it was honestly similar to the joy that, that they expressed when they won the Super Bowl. Um, they were just so happy that they had moved into the number two spot. And they've kind of just kept that energy going ever since that moment, I, I felt like, in just observing them. They've just been – they've been really loose. They've been confident. They've been, um, you know – a happy team for about a month now, and that wasn't always the case with them. So I haven't noticed much of a difference um, during this week in Atlanta.
3: Explain to us a little bit about the Patriot way. One thing that we saw just as the teams flew in is the Rams are in jumpsuits, basically gym attire. It was a longer flight for them, but they're all in team colors and everything. The Patriots fly in, they're shirt and tie. So, you know, for a guy who covers a West Coast team and seeing a team that looks all-dressed-up, shirt-and-tire, thinking this is all business. This is, this is uh, all, you know, about the the business of it, I guess. So I mean, that's the right word. But what is it really like for the Patriots just as a guy who has followed them now and covered them for five years?
4: Yeah, it's like that. Um, I don't know how other teams travel. They always travel. They get dressed up. They all wear suits when they travel. I don't know if it's normal for teams to travel and, Jumpsuits. I mean, I, I would prefer to travel in sweats and you know, <laughs> sweatshirt. That's just me. Um, but, yeah, that's just kind of how – I mean, that's the culture that Belichick has built. He obviously – his father coached at Navy for many years. So, I think in the, the – any Belichick team, it's like, it kind of has like a military-like feel to it. Um, players don't talk about themselves. They, they never – it's never about the individual. It's always about the unit. I think Belichick. That's one of his um, biggest principles to to make it about the team mm-hmm. and never about the individual. So um, that's that's kind of how they are. I mean, they're, they're they're an interesting team to cover because they're so they're just so bought into the way they do things Like guys rarely ever deviate from the way Belichick wants them to approach media or anything like that I mean they're all really on the same page, and I don't know if it's like that ever i mean for us it's if you're a writer on a team covering a team, it's probably more entertaining to have a team that's not on the same page because I then mean you have guys like you know firing off in the in interviews and showing a little bit more personality, but that's just not how the patriots are and it clearly suits them well it it, it works.
3: Now you mentioned that how things—they've been a happy team now for about a month. Now, just haven't talked to some other Patriots guys over the last week. It's been documented there were some, some, some well, some tension earlier in the yep. year. How did they move on from that and develop, re- well, redevelop into who we know they are to be a Super Bowl team?
4: Yeah, they just—I don't know. I mean, it was a—it was an atypical season for them. Not because I mean the whole the whole idea of tension that that existed, I believe last year too. uh certainly that's when like the e big e s p n report came out and all that, but just on the field they they just they couldn't win on the road, they were terrible on the road they had three games where they only scored ten points on the road, which you know you never really saw that with the Patriots, even some of the Patriots teams that weren't necessarily great they were always pretty consistent, and there there, were, there wasn't much of a difference between them playing at home and, and away. Um, the 3-5 and five record on the road was just so uncharacteristic, and you know, they I don't exactly know how they went about turning it around. They only you know, they won one road game since uh, losing two straight, but that one was the AFC Championship at Kansas City, so it was the one that mattered. Uh, they just I think from an, an X's and O's standpoint, they really they committed to their running game. Their offensive line has been awesome. They've set the tone just physically up front in those games, and I think that's made it a lot easier for Brady. And they've just defensively credited Belichick and, and Brian Flores for really scheming some stuff up on the defensive front. They've just been able to bring pressure a lot more than they probably should with the personnel they have. Um, so I think From an on-field perspective, those are the things that have made
3: a difference. So this week on all of our podcasts, we've been just eyeballing all these different matchups. You know, the the Rams defensive line up against that Patriots offensive line, a Patriots offensive line that's only given out 21 sacks this year in 18 games. Um, The wide receiver quarterback matchup, the you know, where it's with Julian Edelman there. What are some of the important matchups to you and maybe some matchups that we aren't thinking about? I think uh,
4: one of the most important matchups I think for the Rams offense against the Patriots defense is can the Rams get Todd Gurley in space? Um, If you watch the Patriots against the Chiefs, the Chiefs had a lot of success just getting the ball to Damian Williams quickly in the flat and letting him work and forcing the Patriots linebackers to run sideline to sideline. They couldn't do that. Um, They couldn't keep up with Damian Williams. So, Between Gurley on on the ground and then maybe on some short passes, I think he's a player that can really hurt the Patriots because they don't have the athletes to run with him at the second level if if he's able to get there. Um, And then on the other side of the ball, I think the Rams' run defense is very interesting to me. You can probably uh, enlighten me on that, but they were last in the league in yards per carry during the regular season, and now we're looking at them in the playoffs against, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, 37 carries for 93 yards for those guys. So they've been awesome in the the playoffs. And I think the Patriots' philosophy offensively is just going to be the same as it was um, against the Chargers and Chiefs, and that's establishing a ground game early using – I mean, they ate up like eight minutes of the clock on the opening possession of each of those games and just setting the tone from there. So – if they're not able to run with Sony Rochelle, um, that could make all the difference in the game. But I just, I don't really know what to expect from their defense. In theory, I, I guess they should be able to run on them because their Rams were so bad during the regular season, but they look like they've gotten a lot
3: better. Well, to clarify a little bit, so the, the Rams' running defense was not good this year at all. It really wasn't. But it's not as bad as people think. A lot of that, the rushing yards that gave up were when they were ahead in games, like deeply ahead, where they right. were backing off some. And then the second thing that would really change for them is Dominican Sue, Dexter Fowler, and Michael Brockers finally stepped up. We, the, the question marks around this team defensively have been basically this. This is not the Sue they signed. The Sue they signed was supposed to be a guy – that could anchor with Aaron Dalton, Michael Brockers, and they weren't getting that kind of production. And all of a sudden, the last two, three games, he has been the guy they expected him to be. And then getting Fowler off the edge, providing yeah. pressure has, has changed a lot and also enabled EBICOM on the other side to provide edge help as well. They didn't have that before, so this is basically a surprise for even us. As we went into the Dallas game thinking, okay, um, this is going to be a problem and Zeke ran for 47 yards, and then Kamara right. and and Ingram, same thing. And so it's those three guys who have stepped up their game. And really, to me, if the Patriots can attack them and wear them and get them back to a point where they were half within the year, the Rams are in trouble. Right. So right. Yeah,
4: Yeah. watching the – I mean, Dante Fowler is the guy who really jumped out at me watching the two playoff games. Um I think just watching those two games alone it seems like he's made a massive difference. He actually, I mean, he made some plays in the running game, too. So I think that, yeah, if the, if the Rams can, the the, other, the Chiefs and Chargers were basically screwed from the beginning because they couldn't win up front against the Patriots all line. If the Rams' defensive line can win up front, that, that changes the entire game because Brady hasn't played a game like that in a while where he's had to throw it 35, 40 times and hasn't been able to just rely on the ground game to kind of set the tempo
3: now one of the things I've seen on a film concerning Brady has been you know I, I we all saw the comments Roby Coleman made and I don't agree okay, for the most part except for one thing and that is in the pocket under a little bit of pressure he's just not the same guy he's never been a nimble guy he's never been a nimble guy back there but he's 41 and he's right. just not the same movement he had before with if the Rams get pressure on him is there any, I mean, well, A, will they? The guy has a release in 2.5 seconds. Will they even get pressure on him? I guess it's the first question.
4: Well, I think they have to. It's hard, though, because you're right. Like, they they get rid, they get rid of the ball so quickly, and Edelman's able to get open so quickly, and they're able, and I mean, they'll throw in the flat to James White, and he'll, he's not very flashy, but he'll get what's there and put them in second and three on an easy seven-yard game to start the draft. Um, the games that were really wrecked for the Patriots, Titans just got a lot of pressure on Brady and he was also he was just uncomfortable even times where there were I guess the way I would describe it there were points in the season where Brady came undone at the threat of pressure, not even that there was someone like bearing down on him but It seemed like there was almost going to be someone bearing down on him, and he kind of looked a little panicked in the pocket. So there were times this year where he didn't look like himself at all. He was dealing with a knee injury at points during the season. Uh, I think he's healthier now than he's been since probably September, and he hasn't really looked panicked in a while. So I don't, I I don't know though. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to say because he hasn't looked panicked because he hasn't really been pressured. So if the Rams can generate something, um, yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's one of the that's one of the, the first things on their checklist to winning this game. Uh,
3: now, of course, the media is, you know, we're night and day media-wise. We're 2,000-plus you know, miles away, and the way we see this Rams team is going to be, um, it all begins there dial dialing the pressure there, and so on and so forth. What can you tell me, how are the Patriots at least showing and the, how they feel about this Rams and the challenges the Rams will present will present to them overall.
4: Yeah, I, I think they're just they're pretty open about that. Talking to Dante Scarnicchio, offensive line coach, yesterday, he's open about that they're going to have to double team Donald like whenever they can. And I mean, and he, he basically put it simply, and he's like, look, if they're rushing four, we've got five to block, and actually sometimes they might even hold a tight end in, so it might be more than that. But we've got five to block, and the it's probably going to be Donald who receives the two and everyone else is going to be one-on-one across the board. And I mean, it's a little more complicated than that and other things go into it, but at the end of the day, that's really what it is. So when those two teams played in 2016, they did double Donald frequently with Joe Tooney, the left guard and and David Andrews, the center. So I, I would expect that to be the approach. I think Bill Belichick teams, you, they they always want to take away what you do best, and they don't want to. I think the way Belichick used it, it's like the Chiefs game. If they were going to lose that game, it wasn't going to be because Tyree Hill went crazy on them. They were going to make Sammy Watkins and DeMar- Demarcus Robinson, and um, and Damien Williams beat them. And I think it's the same thing if you look at the Rams defense. They're not they're not going to let Aaron Donald just wreck this game. They're going to do everything they can to slow him down. And if Aaron Donald's still beating double teams and and still wrecking the game that way, then they'll have to live with it. But they were going to put themselves in a position where he's not going to be able to do that.
3: I'm flipping it around on the other side of the trench battle here, you guys lost Nate Solder, He went over down. I think the Giants, if I'm correct. Um, yep. How did the, the Patriots adequately replace him and put their offensive line in position to be successful this year?
4: Yeah, I mean, they traded for Trent Brown. Um, they gave up a third-round pick. They received Trent Brown, who's in the final year of his deal, and a fifth-round pick. Uh, and then they drafted Isaiah Wynn in the first round, but Wynn went down with an Achilles injury in the summer. Um, but Trent Brown really was kind of entrenched in that left tackle spot ever since the beginning of training camp, and he's been pretty awesome. I mean, he's probably been better than Soldier was last year, and Solder got paid like $62 million uh, over four years from the Giants. So it was just another example of kind of a a bargain acquisition by Belichick and a player who clearly had a lot of natural ability. Trump Brown's like six eight, three hundred, 300, and he looks at 380 pounds, which is ridiculous. I think he's like closer to 360. Uh, but he's huge. He moves really well for someone that size. He's got crazy long arms. So everything was there for him to be a great player. and just with the coaching he received from Skarnecchia, I think he was able to pretty much maximize his potential. And he's been, I would say one of the better, more consistent players on their offense all season. So um, that's how they did it there. Everyone else is the same. The other four starters returned and, you know, they've got two great guards in Tumi and Mason, uh, Marcus Cannon, the right tackle uh, had an okay season. And David Andrews is a, a pretty confident center. So it's just, a really solid group all around. They didn't have guys miss many games, which is important too, um, and I, I think that that's probably the strength of their offense right now is the low line.
3: Now, flipping size, the Rams offensive line really came to get her late in the year, kind of got that running game going after some some sputtering during the Bears and, and uh, Eagles games. You mentioned that defensive line itself was getting more pressure than You guys expect them to. What happened there? and Do you believe they will be able to get pressure on Jared Goff and and stop the Rams running him as well?
4: Yeah, well, with Brian Flores calling the plays on defense, they've been a little more willing to send extra rushers. They've blitzed more frequently than they have in the past, and they've done it effectively. Um, They've also just, you know, they they run a lot of games and twists and stunts and those kind of things up front. And I know all teams do, but the the Patriots – To run them very efficiently. Um, When they do that, they usually get somebody coming free. And I think they've, especially when they get a team in, you know, second and long, third and long, um, they'll play a package where they have one down defensive lineman, Trey Flowers over the nose, and like four linebackers and a couple of defensive backs just hovering around the line of scrimmage. So it's very difficult for offensive lines to to decipher which players are coming and which are dropping. And oftentimes the online just doesn't identify it correctly and someone comes free. So they've they've done a really good job uh, that way. So I think it's more, not to discredit any of the players, I think they do have some pretty good players up front, but I would say it's more about the scheme and the way that Belichick and Flores have been able to draw it up than it is about just that they have, you know, all this Pro Bowl talent on on the front seven. Um, That's been, I would say, a pleasant surprise this year, just their their ability to get pressure.
3: Now, your secondary also has been been very good, and you mentioned how they shut down Tyreek Hill. What has made this secondary come together the way it has? I mean, the Patriots secondary showed some serious signs of problems in the last couple of years. And to see what they did to Hill out there and force the Chiefs to go to option B, what were the adjustments they made throughout the season to fill those gaps and make this secondary a
1: strength?
4: Well, Stephon Gilmore has been pretty awesome for most of the year. Um, first team all pro, so it doesn't really get much better than that. They've been able to, with the exception of Corey Davis from Tennessee, no one has really done much of anything against him. So they've been able to stick him on, on anybody and just kind of know that they can have that locked up one-on-one. And then they'll... You know, like what they did, well, I shouldn't say Davis, just Sammy Watkins did actually have a pretty big game against uh, Gilmore in the AFC Championship game, but they, they, they just double-teamed Tyree Kill in that game. So um, I think part of the reason for the success of the secondary is, yes, they do have the individual talent, in Gilmore and Gilmore and J.C. Jackson, number two corners, emerged as a good player too. But they put themselves in a spot where, again, they don't let, the, the best player on the other team beat them and Belichick, especially if it's a great player like Antonio Brown or Tyreek Hill, Belichick will just live with anything else happening other than, than those two doing it. So for them in this game, it's an interesting matchup because I don't think the Rams really have a player that you would, I mean, Cooks and, and Robert Woods are kind of one A and one B. I wouldn't say one is, is clearly the guy that you have to take away. So I don't, I don't know how they'll approach it. I assume Gilmore will probably cover Robert Woods just because he's bigger. And then they would use, I don't know, maybe Jason McCourty and, and a, a safety over the top against Cooks to prevent any big plays. That would just be my initial guess at what they do. But it's an interesting matchup.
3: Well, it's also interesting because the Rams are probably going to put Woods in the slot. And move because okay. they move Woods into Cooper Cup's role when Cooper Cup got hurt, and they've been working on developing Josh Reynolds. And Josh Reynolds has done an admirable job, basically as a number two outside. So you're gonna have Cooks okay. on the outside as the one, and they put Woods in the slot, and then you have Reynolds who does a lot of over the middle for a big kid, for a tall kid, um, yep. as that number two, and he's been. Really coming along, especially in the last four or five weeks and that 's why I am really curious as to what the Patriots are going to do because um, especially the cooks you they know cooks you know he had a great year for them last year there and, and how they 're going to cover him and deal with him, and then you have uh, we have two developing really solid developing tight ends, not flashy although Jared Over everett could be a real flashy guy a year or two from now. I really believe that i, I said in there, I show you the other day that. Physically, he actually, to me, has more physical talent than even Gronk. But Gronk is a yeah, bigger yeah. guy who with better hands and is used to winning culture. I'm not sure if Everett will develop into that, but the tools are there. Um, right, the always yeah, there. was
4: a high pick, right? Yeah, he was, was a second
3: pick. rounder. Um, but he was very raw, very raw. Um, yep. So you have these two tight ends that they had to force, they had to develop because of Coop getting hurt. They weren't really doing a great job of developing these guys, and they, they had to shift the focus, So now you have five guys in the passing game, plus Gurley out of the backfield. And so my, guess my next question, is, is the sheer number of guys, the sheer number of options the Rams have, and they really never have a number one. You mentioned 1A, 1B. It just varies week from week. How do you deal with that, if you're the Patriots defense?
4: Yeah, well, that's that's a tough one. I mean, Everett and Higby haven't really put up the numbers per se, but I know what you're saying. Like, it, it wouldn't be a, a shock if Everett has a decent game because they think they have a good matchup there. That's definitely possible. Um, those are the – I mean, the, the chief concerns, uh, I think, for their defense are girly in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they throw it through out of the backfield. And they know – I mean they know Brandon Cook's strengths and weaknesses. They know he can burn them deep, but they they also know that he's kind of so so in contested balls like on comebacks and things like that. And he really for the Patriots at least, I don't know about how he's been this year, but he was pretty bad after the catch. He really doesn't do much once the ball's in his hands. So I think just with the the level of familiarity they have with Cooks they will put. They will not allow him to get in a position where he, it's going to be easy for
3: him to be successful. I would say they would force him to beat the Patriots with his weaknesses. Well, I mean, to, to answer that, he's been he's been decent after the catch this year. He's been. They've made him into more of a possession receiver than I thought they would. I thought he was just going to be their deep guy. And in a lot of ways, he's been more dynamic than Watkins was the year before. That's why it actually worked out very well for us. You know, Watkins was a guy that only I think only had like seventy four targets in his year with us and then we go out there and, and send that twenty third pick over the Patriots and we think, well geez, you know, we let Watkins yeah. go and then send you know, we give up a two and a four for Watkins, and then we give away a, a one for Cooks and we just didn't resign right. Watkins. And then we go and pay Cooks all this money. And why are we doing that? But Walk uh, but but sorry, Cooks has been a pleasant surprise in that he is more than just a D threat. He's been a guy who's been decent in, in possession. He makes a lot of th- catches over the middle, very clutch. He was huge for us in the Saints game, and uh, so I think over time, just depending on the offense and just getting it. I mean, I, I don't know how I can. How I, I can't fathom that he wouldn't have been good last year at, um, in yards after catch. I just wow. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean,
4: he was not. He wasn't a bad player, but he had eleven hundred yards. So yeah, he, he did well, but. Uh, he, he was very good deep. Um, he, I mean, he did make some, he certainly made some catches on, on comebacks and things on the premiere but he really didn't do much of anything over the middle. And he, he I I mean, it, it's surprising and from what I've seen this year. I have seen him do some things after the catch. And I can remember saying to myself, like, well, I haven't seen him really do anything like that for the Patriots. And that's honestly, it's good. Like he, they tried him on screens and, just on stuff to get the ball in his hands quickly. And he just really doesn't make anyone miss or didn't make anyone miss and couldn't really generate much after the catch.
3: Well, I can say I don't really think he's made anyone miss. I think what he's done well this year is when he gets the ball in his hands, he does turn quickly and go. And so, okay. he's not gonna—he's not gonna—he's not a juker. He's just a straight line shooter. And so, right. you know, that's why I can—I can be honest about and say, well, you know, yeah, he didn't really—I never really saw him put a move on somebody. It's just straight and go. So, if there's open field and he can turn and go, he's gone. Um, right, right. Now that Saints game, he had a catch. Deep in territory there, and Roy really put his head down, fought for those yards. Had the guy, the Saints player, face-masked him. Should have been called, wasn't called. Speaking of bad calls in that game, right? Um, so, you know, um, I, I'm I'm very happy with Cooks, at least in terms of, of covering this team this year and see what he's meant the offense. So it looks like, you know, if Isaiah Wynn comes back next year and does great things for for the Patriots, it'll be a fair trade.
4: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean, they, I think the Patriots will take, even though Wynn got hurt, they, I think, are happy with that trade. Especially, they, I mean, there was, there was definitely a time this year, like, before they acquired Josh Gordon and then mm-hmm. after Gordon got suspended, where you were like, man, they probably shouldn't have traded Brandon Cooks, huh? Like, this guy could really help him here. But they were never going to pay him what the Rams paid him, so this was going to be his final year with the Patriots, no matter what. And I think getting a first-rounder for him was probably better than they thought they could do. I mean, they it, when they traded this number 32 to get him from New Orleans, I thought that, I mean, that was kind of a lot to give up. And I, I was surprised that they were able to flip him for the 23. That just I didn't think that was going to happen. He had a good year in New England, but I was just surprised the team would trade for him in the final year of his contract knowing you have to pay him a lot. Uh, starting next year, and give up a first-round pick for him. But hey, I mean, it, it worked out for the Rams. Certainly, it seemed to be the right move for them. And I think for the Patriots, he just wasn't the perfect fit. And um, it was it, it was a good move for him. Yeah, mean, they basically got a free year out of him, so that works. But I don't, I didn't ever envision being a long-term
3: fit for Cooks in New England. Well, the weird thing too is, is back before that draft, there were a lot of folks. Covering the Rams or, and watching the Rams, who wanted the Rams to take Isaiah Wynn <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> so, uh, yeah. when they made that trade for Cooks, it was there were some scratching heads because you you knew down the line they're, they either have to pay the guy to keep him, and they did, <laughs> and they did, yeah. and they committed quickly to him, which tells you how much they really how much they thought of him. Uh, I know yeah. thanks for uh, taking so much time here. Just one last question I got to ask it. You know, did, do you have a prediction that you're willing to share?
4: Sure. Um my prediction I guess I'm sticking to is Patriots thirty one, Rams twenty three. Um every every Super Bowl the Patriots play, it's like the greatest game ever played and it's down to the last fifteen seconds or or overtime in the case of the Falcons um a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I think eventually this isn't the most sound logic, but eventually they have to play a game that's like somewhat anticlimactic, right? Um I, I think if they win this one you know, by eight, maybe the Rams score late to, to make it even a little bit closer. Uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of see it playing out that way. I see the Patriots, just based on what they've done the last couple of weeks, getting control of the game, starting with the run, putting Brady in favorable situations. I don't know if – I mean, you'd have a better idea of how golf is going to play in this game, but just looking at his numbers and watching a little bit of him over the past two months, it just seems like he's trending down from where he was going to be in the end of the season. And I don't know if this moment is going to be a little too big for him. I, certainly, you know, it's not going to be too big for Brady. So I think you feel confident in saying that. Um, so it's a number of things. But that's just my thought is that the Patriots win it fairly comfortably.
3: Well, I would, I would offer this back on golf. It's just food for thought. I actually was very much in agreement with you until the Saints game. And okay. the Saints game changed a few things in terms of watching how he, um, not just watching him perform, but how he can, took control. The, uh, the, the helmet malfunction, the not being able to hear, hear play calls, make play calls, the, just the, the pure panic of the first quarter. And he was Ooh. the guy that took control. Of the huddle, he was the guy that control that took control of the offense. It wasn't Gurley, it wasn't anybody else. It was Jared Goff, and then he threw you know 25 for, for 40 for 297 yards. And so a week, two weeks ago, I would have been totally agreeing with you. In this case, yeah. I don't know. I think in I think the Rams are actually going to have a similar game plan, offensive game plan, as to the Patriots. They're gonna, they're going to establish the run early. They're going to throw C.J. Yeah. Anderson at you in the middle. They're going to get Gurley out there, and they're going to try and get their own seven minute, eight minute drive and sell down some of those young quarterback nerves and if that happens this game is going to be much different than if it doesn't happen so
4: yeah no you're you're right about that it's that's why it's that's why these are always fascinating games last year I don't think anyone thought Foles would go out and score 41 on the Patriots this year I think it's a better team or it's certainly a better offense playing the pass in the Rams
3: so we'll see man it should be a good one Oh, hey! Can you let our folks know where they can find you?
4: Sure. Yeah. Um, all my work, you guys can read on BostonHerald.com. I'm on Twitter. It's at Kevin R Duffy.
3: All right. So, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. And get some sleep, man. I know you're the next forty-eight hours where for you're going to be be flowing. <laughs> so,
4: uh, next couple of days are or today and tomorrow are relaxing, and then
3: the game is kind of yeah. That's that's a just a wild day. Well, for us to you, enjoy it, man. You're living you're living the dream, dude. Not gonna lie, you're living the dream. So <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, thanks so much and have a great one. Alright, you too. Thanks, Derek.
2: Alright, <laughs> right, so there you go. Kevin Duffy's in the Boston Herald. Make sure you check him out on Twitter. Uh as you know, he was an interesting guy. I, I kinda picked him a little bit because he really did seem tired. But you know, I, I I can't blame the guy, man. Those guys, the folks go down there, both the Rams media and the Patriots media. It's a long week. It's it's a big hubbub, and, and even us here, I could tell you the hours we put in this week, putting together podcasts, editing articles, interacting on social media. It's probably more than I've ever done, and I was quite fortunate to have a couple of snow days here to be able to <laughs> do some of the work. And it's just. You know, it's just tough, man. And what a good conversation with him giving some insight on Brandon Cooks and putting pressure on Tom Brady. We haven't heard anybody really mention how Tom Brady was this year when pressured. So it was really kind of interesting to hear him talk about that. And of course, the need to stop Todd Gurley. And I don't know if you all noticed, but he didn't really even cast a glance at CJ Anderson. Can't forget that double-edged sword back there now. CJ's made a world difference. Okay, so it's time for us to go on our way. The next time you hear us, we will be a Clutch Points podcast as part of their uh, their, their new team. We are still owned by the same company, Gridiron Media. We are still going to be found in the same place as you were before. It's just now we have a little bit of a different, different place we call home. Okay, so there you go. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook. You follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can also join the Rams Talk Room. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. And folks, again, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, all those places. We're there, iEbeatRadio.com. They play our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. For the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Apollo saying good night. The next time you hear us, we'll know whether or not the Rams are Super Bowl champions. Have a great one. Take care.
1: The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in a making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.
0: Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade, Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever, because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade, never stop arriving.